good evening, good evening. I wish I could growl like that because I have a few things. That's what wildcats do. Get off my chest. I'm I'm a wild trip ram. We don't growl. We just butt heads. Butt heads. <laughs> and I'm going to butt heads right off the jump, almost right off the jump. But first, let me welcome everyone listening out there in the internet land to another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? Doing well. Doing it. I'm standing upright, sitting upright. Doc, how are you, sir? Doing really well. Let's get right into this. Uh, first off, I was in Nashville for the Women's Final Four. Congratulations to uh, Gino Oriema and his Connecticut Huskies for winning the ninth championship in the program history, most non-women's college basketball. They blasted the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who were undefeated. It was a battle of unbeaten. The game did not live up to the hype, unfortunately, but it still had the uh, highest rating for ESPN in about 10 years. UConn won the game 79-58. I have a write-up about that uh, on the Women's Hoops blog, as well as a picture and some Instagram photos. You can go to Houston Round Bar View on Instagram and see the photos, as well as video, a little video uh, segment of Gino cutting down the net and Stephanie Dolson cutting down the net, doing a little dance as she shimmies up down the ladder. She just loves her some, some Dolson. She has... Stephanie Dolson is a, is a great young lady. She was a lot of fun to interview at Media Day as well. Let me say this real quick, listeners and fellas. Go to Houston Round Bar Review's YouTube channel, and you can search for my interviews with Stephanie Dolson, Bria Hartley, Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, and Brianna Stewart from Media Day. And I asked each of them if they thought about going undefeated, if that was a goal of going undefeated this season. And lo and behold, four Here we years go. later, they went undefeated. So go to Houston Round Bar Review's YouTube channel and check that out. We had a lot of fun doing those interviews. Those are four uh, fun young ladies who are very talented on and off the court. So kudos to them. And kudos to the American Athletic Conference in their first year of athletic competition. UConn women won a national championship. UConn men won a national championship. Rutgers women won the WNIT. Yep. UCF won the BCS Bowl game. Yep. So how you like the ace? I said the AAC, the AC, the AC, or they're now the. American. Oh no 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 no! They, they're they, now the American. They, they're now the American Athletic Conference. So it's official. It's, it's now official. official. And UConn, bless their hearts, are still. They are the flagship of the conference, since their football program is not elite. UConn is probably not going anywhere. They will be part of the American for a while, which leads us into the rest of the. Schools in the conference, especially on the women's side, need to step the game up. Recruiting facilities. Just want to run with the big dogs. Act like it. Pay like it. Think like it. Behave like it. Leading me into my alma mater, the Houston Cougars. <clears throat> As I said, I was in Nashville for four or five days. And most of that time, heard nothing about specific coaches that uh, U of H had interviewed or even discussing. I wrote about a few things, and apparently, folks read my blog, more, more people read my blog than I realize. Friday, I, I discussed, uh, I wrote that Kevin Cook, former Houston Commons assistant coach and now head coach at Winthrop, had been in contact with the University of Houston. Put that out there. A lot of Winthrop fans and alums 
were concerned that Coach Cook was going to leave and come to U of H, leave Winthrop. I got people following me on Twitter just so they could send me direct messages and saying that uh, they had not, that U of H had not contact, contacted Winthrop. So I get, as I do, I got, I went to the source and got quotes from Coach Cook. And I put those quotes in another, in a follow-up blog post, as a good journalist should do. Right, Wildcat? Of course. Especially if you, you, you look for signs of integrity and, and expect to be, you know, quoted on nationally. And that's, and that's what I, I am all about integrity and Coach Cook's quotes basically I'm happy at Winthrop. I have not been contacted by anyone at U of H. I hope they get the person they're looking for, the person that can lead them to great things, end quote. I'm ready to help Winthrop try and win another championship. I really like it at Winthrop, end quote. So that's what I try to do when it comes to sources. I don't make stuff up. Throughout Nashville, I was hearing different things about who U of H was, what they were going to have. Coach come up to me left and right. What they gonna do? Who they gonna hire? What you hearing? What you hearing? I tell them what I heard. They tell me what they hear, and what they hear scared the snot out of me. <laughs> Who was that? That that they were going to, and I had put this in a blog initially, but I put this. Up, I mentioned it a little while ago. What I was hearing as a rumor <clears throat> that they were going to keep the current coaching staff and bring everybody back. That's what I heard by numerous people. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Heard that from numerous people that U of H was going to keep the coaching staff from last season. That staff that once Tommy Cannon resigned, the staff that won two games from December 21st through the end of the season. Two. As an alum, I cannot understand that. <clears throat> but I heard that a lot. I heard that from more than one person. I heard that from a lot of different sources. Told me that same thing. And as an administrator, Directly, they shouldn't have accepted that phone, either. Direct message. Wow. So I heard that. Okay. Now, Monday, as I wrote about this, I found out that U of H would name a new head coach by the end of next week. I wrote that. That was retweeted by our colleague at the Chronicle. And retweeted by numerous people about that information that U of H would name a new coach by the end of next week. But... Last night, after UConn's butt-kicking of Notre Dame, I get a message from a colleague, a source, that Texas A&M associate head coach Kelly Bond White was going to get the U of H job. Mind you, it's about 11 o'clock at night when I get this information. <laughs> I go con try to contact numerous people to verify this information. I couldn't do it. Nobody got back to me because it was late. You know, folks probably celebrating the championship or what have you. So I, I didn't do anything with it. Wednesday today, I'm packing, getting ready to come back to H-Town. I get a message from a very connected U of H person saying that Kelly Bond to U of H was a done deal. That gives me two sources now telling me the same thing. Wow. Okay. Yep. Now, one of the people I left a message for Tuesday night got back to me, and this person is an Aggie. This person said they heard that Kelly Bond 
had gotten a deal, may have gotten a deal with U of A. That makes three sources telling me the same thing. Still wasn't, I didn't, had done anything. No write-up yet. I go to a person very, very connected with A&M. And this person Don't tells punch me, me, man. Don't punch this me. This tells me. I'm not telling. That hadn't, hadn't heard a thing about U of A's contacting Kelly, Kelly Bond White. So, what I write is, and my quote, the title of the blog post is, Kelly Bond White to guide the coup? Question mark. Question mark, Doc. Question mark. That does not say Kelly Bond White is going to coach the coup. Yeah, Definitely. You left it open. Thank you. People don't read. People don't read. Folks don't read. Or they don't understand. They don't read or comprehend or something. Understand the English context. So that blog post blew up. (laughs) Blew up. Just blew up. (laughs) I did it. And women's basketball world. I tweeted, retweeted, Chronicle, you know, commented on it. Chronicle writer retweeted it. You know, all kinds of stuff. From a question mark to a statement. Yes. Chronicle then says later on, while I'm in the air apparently, that his source. Says Kelly Martin White hasn't been contacted by U of H at all. Where I even have in my blog write up, two sources said the deal is that it's going to happen. One says it's definitely done, but other contacts tell me that no deal has been reached. So once I land and get people, my phone is lit up about different things about what the Chronicle writer did and said, and and are you sure your information is this, What's that, and other? What's, yeah, whatever. So I did a Commentary style write-up, and the title of it is, Let Me Be Clear, I Don't Make Up Stuff. So I put in print what I just mentioned in the podcast about my different and sources. Again, you don't do what? I don't make up stuff. Get real now. Get real. I've been doing this too long, and I don't just toss stuff out there to see if it sticks against the wall. I don't do that. Don't have to. Thank you. So I had numerous people tell me that Different thing, basically. I, I had the A&M people contacting me, telling me that U of H has not contacted them regarding Kelly Bond. Fine. But the person who told me that the deal was done, when I say is very connected with U of H, trust me, very connected with U of H. So there's some miscommunication going on there on both sides. Somebody's putting stuff out there to see what people are going to think, what they're going to discuss, get a feedback, get a feel for what's going on, whatever. I don't know. But I wrote what I heard, but I had, did not write everything I heard in Nashville regarding U of H. Hell, this morning, I ran to some coaches who told me something completely different about U of H and who they're going to hire. And I don't think I can hold my tongue anymore. Let me tell you what they told me. They told me, this is more than one person told me this. That the job was Cynthia Cooper's to turn down. Really? Now I'm intrigued. I'm not. And I'm glad you said that, Doc. <laughs> I'm so not. So what I did is, I, and this was today. So I told them in no uncertain terms, that's BS. You're a lie. I didn't I say you're a lie. lie. I just said that's BS. Bad. And they're like, why? And I said, well. I spoke to Coop face to face in Nashville. Not over the phone. Not over the phone. Not in text form. Don't hold Nothing. your tongue. Don't hold your face tongue. Face to face. 
we talked about different things, of course. We hadn't seen her in a while. You know, conventions going on, natural convention with the coaches. She hadn't heard from U of H. They didn't even place the phone call. I had not placed the phone call. So I don't know how we go from no phone call to the job is hers to turn down. Scan our people. So this Scan our people. So this is everything that I've heard. No, well, not everything. Trust me, not everything. But it, this is what has been what's going on the last few days in Nashville. Coop getting the job. Wade Scott going to keep the job. Kelly Bond getting the job. And then on the plane, I heard another name was in line for the job. And that name would go back to four years ago, who was part of the finalist for the job initially and had some ties with a certain AD here in Houston. If you know what I'm talking about, just do some research. Yeah. Because you can go to my blog and see who the names are. You can research who the names were as finalists then. And apparently, she is up for the job again. So this is all a bunch of stuff going on for a job that's been open since December 21st. So Why are they doing this? I have no idea. Why it's taking so long? I have no idea because they hired Kelvin Sampson on the men's side within 10 days. Well, I can tell you from what I've seen happens in situations like this is you have two, at least two people on the table. You have two very strong groups that are dictating these two candidates. And so you have a faction, and both of them are pretty even in terms of influential level, and they're trying to decide ultimately what direction you want to go. That's my experience in situations like this. And so as you said, things start to float because people are either trying to posture to get more support one way or the other, or they are purposely putting information out to try to destroy one side or the other. And oftentimes, both things are taking place. Exactly. That's just for those listeners out there that feel like, this is too much. No, this actually happened. It happened. And it's purposely done. Right. Now, my my only, I'm just kind of like, I'm just saying it because all three of us have witnessed that to happen. One, they were hoping the interim situation worked out, like on that HBCU level. That's true. They, they was hoping that that worked out. And the reason that you would hope that works out is from the standpoint, uh, to be frank, that means that there's really not a big emphasis on women's basketball, and you're taking the cheap way. Yes. Go ahead. Two. Go on with the cheap. Money. I don't know where they're finding it from. I don't know who they're getting it from. I don't know who's, you know, who who's daddy Walbus for your race Cougars right now. But they all of a sudden they found a lot of money for a men's basketball coach, and, and yes. you're in the process of fixing a break ground for a practice facility that's not going to be on top of uh, Fines, but they're going to put it to the side. It's going to take up that space between where um, the the old sw- uh, sw- uh, swimming. Uh, the center is, and and the uh, children are learning at the center. Right. That's supposed to all be, become practice facilities now. And I think uh, Mag mentioned about what twenty million dollars. Twenty million dollars, yes, for the practice. You facility. found a lot of money all of a sudden, and nobody knows where it's coming from. And my only question is, 
is that money sustainable over a certain amount of time to allow you to finish this? Not for you to, to get in a situation and get halfway and somebody come and bail you out. Because the $20 million, last $5 million of that was raised within the last two months. That's a lot so, of money right quick. I don't know what happened. Now, let me say this. I, I am an alum. Now, I know at times I've stated on the podcast, we've, we've all stated that U of H is broke. U of, U of H is not broke. U of H just burned some bridges with some money alums in the past who stopped giving because they got pissed off at how things were being handled, how, how that money was being utilized, whatever. So perhaps those bridges or burn bridges have been repaired, right? And those are now returning to give money. That's that that could be very uh, real possibility. And that happened because James Dickey was making about two hundred fifty thousand dollars per year as head coach. Kelvin Sanders is not making nine hundred thousand, roughly up to a million with you know incentives what have you. So a million per. So that's a big time jump right there in itself. That's huge. Which is, Especially when the talk was that they were willing possibly to go to a quarter of a million dollars, and you had another two fifty, basically. So, so there we're seeing all of those different things right there. So we're seeing Kelvin Sampson. So, and President Couture stated in the press conference that the money in the hiring of Kelvin Sampson was seen as an investment in athletics, an investment in the University of Houston, investment of, of the institution, et cetera, as an investment. What is the general overall uh, salary of President Mueller? Uh, About the same with Kevin Sampson. That's a good question. I, I, I don't know that. It's, it's, Generally, and this is why I say this, I don't, and I want to take this. I know she just got a jump. I know she just got a jump. Usually those salaries are around about a half a million dollars, between about $400,000 to $600,000. The richest paid. Um, president in the U.S. at a major institution is about a quarter of a million dollars. Now, I'm talking about salary that is either coming in either public institution I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. And these salaries are basically coming out of state appropriated funds. Now, I'm not saying that the overall salary is not that. Okay. Because now you're talking about appropriation for funds. And the reason I say that is to give people some pictures in terms of how salary at that level are usually orchestrated. So Samson um, is probably going to be paid between two fifty to a half a million dollars in terms of coming out of a budget of U of H. Mm-hmm. And the other almost half a million or more is going to be coming out of funds associated with the booster group to supplement that. Mm-hmm. And that booster group can get those funds associated with uh, Nike deals or, you know, endorsement deals, I should say. Not necessarily Nike, but endorsement deals. To give an example, a Nike deal. Sure. Radio, television, uh, money associated with those corporate sponsors are coming from the booster to allocate that other half of that money. I only say that so you're talking about that type of money or what's going to happen happen on the women's side. And who out of a boost group is going to allocate that money if you start to push up their salary? Yes. Just something to keep in mind when people look at it. Because oftentimes we'll talk about total salary, but where does that come right. back in terms of budget allocation? And for folks that really want to get into the business side, 
I think it's fair for them to understand. Which leads me to all the words, all the positive vibes coming from the Kelvin Sampson press conference. He's hiring him as, is, is an investment in the institution, an investment in big-time athletics, et cetera, big-time basketball. That's why I still choose to believe the keeping the current staff of women basketball coaches was not going to be the case. Because why would they say all this publicly? I mean, put it out there for everybody. You're going to do this on the men's side and then turn around and do nothing on the women's side except the main status quo. Which makes sense, and which is why I brought the the point up. It's because basically you're saying that there's alums and boosters, which is to your point in terms of the overall athletic part. Right. But on the men's side, is the booster organization essentially was able to guarantee at least a half a million dollars in terms of the principal of that money. Mm-hmm. I got you. I understand. So there are there there's somebody said that they want this to happen. So to go along with what you're saying, it's interesting to see what's going on, on the women's side. Because usually there's some parallels in terms of what's going on, unless somebody is strictly saying that they're solely interested in men's basketball. And that does happen. You know, it happens far too often on, on women, in women's athletics, in the non-revenue sports. You know, it happens. Yeah, it happens. But usually, you know, as you're talking about, when we're talking about a booster organization, and, and we're talking about the structure and tiering, so sure. we understand it. But generally speaking, most athletic directors create some type of balance because now you're getting truly into some Title IX right, exactly. issues in terms of salary salary equity base. Sure. It doesn't have to be equal. Right. I don't want people to get any nomenclature about that because some people are using Title IX in a misappropriation of in terms of what they're seeing with the Northwestern case. So I want to make sure I throw that out there that people – are not using Title IX correctly when they're looking at excuse for not doing what those players are seeking for. That is a totally different step. But in terms of how Title IX does look at the equity balance in terms of funding programs, it does not have to be equal. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to really be that close. You're talking about the difference between million and two fifty is quite a bit out of right. So we'll see, and I want to touch on this. We'll, we'll get to uh, Wildcat and Doc's thoughts on the on the men's tournament, and I'll, you know the train that is UConn women rolling through Notre Dame. Notre Dame was definitely impacted by the loss of Natalie Achanamo, who got hurt in the Elite Eight uh, game versus Baylor. She t- tore ACL, and she was lost for the last two games, final final four. And they had no Notre Dame's bigs were just no match for UConn's bigs, Stephanie Dolson and Brianna Stewart. And, to some extent, uh, Kia Stokes and Kalina Moscato Lewis, they just dominated. They yeah, dominated no name in the paint. The three of them, Dolson, Moscato Lewis, and Brianna Stewart combined for, I think, 56 points and no name scored 58. So the three of them almost outscored Notre Dame by themselves. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's how dominating it was Impressive. last night. But um, Monday in Number Nashville, you lose about 21 points. Yeah, And you played... That team moved over into the ACC and just walked through. It walked through everybody. Mm-hmm. Just walked through. And it was clear that Notre Dame and UConn were the two best teams in the country, and it wasn't even close. The third best team, there's a there's a huge gap between two and three. 
where apparently there's a huge gap between one and two as well. So, but I'm proud to say that UConn is, is a part of Doc, the same conference as University Welcome Houston. to the NC2A Division One Women's yes. Basketball. <laughs> and touching on women's basketball, there was a that is amazing a summit uh, a discussion on uh, Monday. Friday? Oh. It was roughly six hours divided into three parts or four and a half hours. Three different um, panels. One was discussing youth basketball and what to do on the youth level. So this is actually a session that you so, had yeah. So I, went, I attended this uh, a youth session, fundamentals, how to you know different how to improve from grassroots okay. on up, youth AAU, high school, college, pro, and also another part dealing with media, basically how to improve. Women's basketball. That was the whole gist marketing. of the, of the marketing side of as well. Marketing, promotions, grass, everything was discussed in these three panels. But what one thing that struck me, the last one was was the most attended. I, I attended to the second and third uh, discussion. But one thing that struck me in, in the two that I attended was everyone on the panel was we had representatives of the WNBA, uh, president. Uh, Commerce commissioners, ESPN, uh, big wig, let's just put it like that, in terms of you know, programming for ESPN, women's basketball programming. It struck me as how every one of them, I think it was all, was all women, I don't think it was any men, which is fine, we're talking about women's basketball, referred to the players as student athletes. Every last one of them said student athletes, student athletes, student athletes, and they took a little digs at Northwesterns were trying to unionize and all that. And I was just like, well, huh, I see where your mindset is regarding unionization. Protect the system. Exactly. At the end of the day, that's what it's going to, as I said, protect the republic. They protect, they're protecting the republic. Because, we, you know, they were talking about how to improve the game. And, and one thing that struck me was they want to get away from giving away tickets. Giving free tickets away because it, to sponsorships or signage? No, they're talking about giving away to you, which is which is a, which is a good idea because you devalue. That's your what product. they said exactly. And I agree with that. In I hadn't thought about that, but that that, that made sense. Yeah, you're devaluing your product. Yeah, you product. And they were trying to agree on what was a fair price for a game ticket to promote and talk about. You know, you don't want to have. They may talk about promotions. They talk talk about a, it was a wide ranging discussion. No, I think that's a. Very and it was it was the first one that they had. Good. There weren't too many. Not many media attended they were, it. If they're gonna really figure out the I was price there. point, they're gonna have to do a study. To you know, head out of my trip. I would have been there. And it was all based on Val Ackerman, who's now the uh, Big white East paper. commissioner. It's all based on her suggestion in the white paper of how to improve the women's game. You know, based on they talked about that. And we, we we were asked to vote in poll questions. And one of the poll questions was, should the regional games be held at on-campus sites? Agree or disagree? The majority of the responses were agree that the regional games should be held on-campus sites, not neutral sites. Because it in, it has more people, more butts in the seats, it's better for TV. It's a better look. It's a better. It's a better. Nothing they were really harping on. It's a better environment for the student athlete. The student athlete is playing in front of larger crowds rather than playing in front of two hundred people at a neutral site. For example, that was their thing. About right, that. and I agree with that philosophy. But I think if they're trying to improve the game, 
my concern is really the best way to improve the game, in my opinion, everything I've researched out there, is you have to create more competitiveness. Yeah. You have to create right. a more competitive game. And they voted. They voted and for- to put teams on their home, home site means that you're going to get less likely of upsets. And yes. upsets drive the beginning of the tournament. At the end, you want the brand teams in there. And usually, if you look at the men's side, the talent is generally going to rise to the top. So you're going to see that happen. But if you're really talking about improving the game in terms of interest, you have to drive that games are competitive. And see, that's another one of the questions that we were asked to answer. Is it best to have your best teams on TV or the best games on TV? I would rather it, game. I would you rather have again. to do a partnership between yeah. the two. You, you have to figure that out some kind of way. Best because games, the, and the reason I say this is again to drive interest. You have to drive competitive. The best business out here that does this, and they give the regardless of the team in terms of the brand, but it's the NFL, as you just said. It's because they have understood what really drives the market. What drives the market is competition. And when you look at competition, the brand of those competitive teams will stand out alone and they will drive sales. You go it the other way, like baseball and basketball to some degree, and basketball is trying to move more to the NFL market. I don't like it in terms of what they're doing to the players. I'm a player's person. Right. But in terms of driving your business model, in terms of dollar, you better create the competitive balance if you're going to do it. Now, one thing I will say about the NCAA model that is much more difficult to do is the fact, unlike the NFL, which, again, is unionized, is the fact that there are a lot of controls that you can't put in the NCAA because it's driven by independent conferences, basically, that have different financial means to those conferences. So you're going to have to develop the brand. So I think they have some major issues because I don't think you can serve two mouths. See, that's the thing. And let me back up. The question was posed, uh, best teams. It wasn't. People interpreted it as it would answer differently if it should be best games rather than best teams because UConn is the best team. Bar none. Bar none. Bar none. So I wrote a few months ago, especially in terms of the American, they should put UConn every conference game for UConn should be on TV. Especially this coming season with Louisville gone, Rutgers gone, the rest of the teams in the conference just you could put probably put an all-star team up of the remaining nine, or what is it, eleven right. conference members, and they will not be competitive with UConn. I mean, that's Houston, SMU, UCF, USF, Tulane, Tulsa, East Carolina, East Carolina, all of them. When you say you know, when you say all the games should be on TV, are you talking about digital platform? You yeah, know, whatever. some type some, of media right. platform. But when I look at when you're talking about showing your games, I'm thinking about you talking about your premier. Broadcast schedule of right. games. I don't think you want to have UConn in all or most of them. You got to spread it out because you got to find a way to balance that. Well, and it yeah. has to be about trying to find competitive games because again, you're trying to sell competition. See, that's the people thing. watch the games because games are competitive. And see, there there lies the the, 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 the problem because the conference games, any conference game UConn is involved in next year, ain't gonna be close. They won't be fortunate if it's within 30 points. Right. And I'm telling you, that does not help sell your product. 
on that point, but for every non-conference game, every non-conference game, you can't play. Only, uh, should be games are only true rivalries if there it, is a competition you, and win. There is no, there, there is no, no rivalry in there's the no conference rivalry. for UConn. There right. is, there there's is no none. Rivalry. Louisville's gone. Rutgers is gone. The only possible rivalry would be USF because they were both in the Big East together. Right. But USF is not on the same level no, no. as UConn. The reason that the rivalry between Duke and North Carolina on the men's side is so big is because. Both teams win. Right. They both beat each other. In football, the reason that the rivalry is big in Auburn, Alabama, although Alabama tends to win a little more until recently, basically, is because both teams win. It's not a rivalry. That's why many people will tell you that the biggest game in Texas was the game between Texas and OU versus Texas and Texas A&M. Right. Texas pretty much always won the game against A&M versus OU. There may be times when games went on spreads where one team won more than the other, but you look at the overall balance and overall record, it seems to be pretty close in terms of competitive. Okay, so let's do let, this for a living. You right. That's no, no, not going to work. Yeah. So, so let's, let's look at it like this. Is UConn's dominance good for women's basketball? No, it's a hindrance. No question in my mind, it's a hindrance. Why? In terms of the overall sure. the overall product. Because you can't drive fan base interest. Because most folks, most folks will not tune in that. The reason that you had the highest rating of this game is because you had two undefeated teams, one and two, and people sold this as the best game ever. And then people thought that the game was going to be competitive at the least, right. and thought there was a chance for the big dog UConn to lose. See, that's one. If you look at the end of the game, right. I bet you can see that the ratings go down. Oh, I'm sure it's second. The second half started, and the, you, you kind of began that route. I'm sure the ratings just went down the toilet. People don't want to watch that. Now, people will look the next day at the paper. People will post after the thing, try to find the final scores. People might look at the interviews afterwards. But in terms, if you're talking about driving television, competition. Right. I, it's, it's simple. It's out there. We see them all. Because I was surprised before the game, uh, ESPN analysts Rebecca Lobo and Kara Lawson were touting the game as the biggest game in women's college basketball history. Right. I'll give you one another example. Uh, SEC, particularly in football. Why is the interest in SEC so big in terms of football? Everybody beats everybody. Yeah. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. the competition is high. Now, there's some teams that tend sure. to be able to pull away. But generally speaking, when you match up most games, you're looking for very competitive games that tend to be close. They go down to the wire. Even the best teams tend to have to fight it out with teams that are not as good. Same thing with most of the teams in the ACC when they're deep. But one of the reasons that the Big Ten had a huge interest this year was you had five of the, the what, 12 institutions, six of the 12 institutions that were top 25 programs, and the games were very competitive and close. So even people that may not traditionally like the brand of Big Ten, like, man, these games going to be tough and right. exciting. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I agree with you. But – I also want to say it's not UConn's fault. No, it's not. It's everybody else's problem that they have not raised up their level of competitiveness. Correct, but it's the NCA's fault. Thank you. That that level's not there. And the NCA's fault is that they don't have control mechanisms to do it. The NCA, the NFL, the NBA wouldn't allow it. Because UConn won this national championship. With six healthy players. Yeah. Six. That's how dominating they were. They won this national championship. I'm telling you. Their I'm, closest I'm, game all year was against Baylor. And that was like an 11-point victory, I think. 
Yeah, I'm telling you, I was amazed. It, I'm just like, this defies all logic in terms of pure competition that you're trying to understand. And I don't, I don't think – I think they won so much that people are spoiled by the fact they win, and people are not even really understanding what they're looking how at. impressive yes, of what is that. taking place. I didn't really understand it until I had the chance to meet up with you all, and you said, look what's going on. I had to look. Yep. And then as a number person, I started looking – they're talking about they had the second largest margin of victory this year. And let me tell you. six. Yeah. Playing and then, basically 60. And, and I also remember. That is astonishing. They started out the season with eight healthy players, with eight competitive players. Lost two. And actually were down to five when uh, KML, uh, KML, uh, KML had her, the, went through a little energy, yeah. uh, injury yeah. spot. And she had missed quite a few games, you know, in, in a gap. Yeah, and they were down to basically five healthy players and just still got it done. But let me tell you this. We're going to talk about wow. men's basketball. But to get in on that, Wildcat, we'll remind everybody who we are because we're going to kind of wrap it up here in a second. But here's, here's a frightening thought. Uh, overheard this at, once again, at the Final Four on the media side now. Was it somebody I needed to jump on? No, no, no. It, it, didn't, it didn't get that far? Here's, here, here's a frightening thought. Asia Wilson is the number one player in the class of 2014. Six foot five, number one wow. in our position, number one overall. Her list of schools, Tennessee, South Carolina. She's a hometown of Hopkins, South Carolina. So her final choices are Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Yukon. I overheard. No Notre Dame. I overheard one colleague say, and ESPNU is going to have her announcement decision. We're going to televise it. Yeah, that's good business. Signing period is, I think, signing day is Wednesday the 16th. So I think it's going to be Wednesday or maybe Thursday. But next, sometime next week, they're going to televise her decision. That's good for the game. She could sign on the, on the hood of a car? So... What was discussed was by a colleague. If, if Asia Wilson chooses UConn, they will win the next six national championships. Wow. That is not good for women's basketball. Yeah. I don't care how dominant they are. No, you start to ignore it. I, exactly. I don't care how much of a villain they become because of their success. After a while, Everybody else is playing for a second, so the interest will go will start to wane oh, yeah. because who who is who wants to see thirty point games, thirty point margins of victory for the next six years? So I'm not saying I'm you know I don't in terms of competitiveness. I don't want her yeah, to pick you're UConn. Yeah, you talking about in terms of what's good for the game, right? You're not saying that UConn doesn't have the doesn't have the right, or nor sure. should they be in a position that they're fighting for this young lady, and not saying that it's not good for UConn. Exactly. It, obviously, winning more championships would be great for them, and it would put <laughs> Coach G on a different level, right? But what they're saying in terms of you, as a fan that follows the women's game, you understand. What this could do to the overall game, and there would be a major concern there. Because you know, at some point during that her time, if she makes that decision, 
there's going to be an undefeated run of at least two years. Yeah. And that's when it's going to kill it. Maybe more. I mean, they already won 90 once, 90 in a row once. Right. And they're on a winning streak now. So, you know, anyway. Yeah, that's the only way that I can see it becoming. Uh, it won't really help the game, but it will magnify to the point that you get a lot of run is that the undefeated season gets so unbelievable that that becomes the story. When will somebody beat them? Right. So from that standpoint, you can get greater attention to the individual But even that'll be, that'll be short-lived. But it's not going to go towards the overall good of the game. Right. Thoughts on UConn men beating the Kentucky Five? Media Day. In Dallas, Coach Ali basically said, Memphis. Memphis, I'm sorry, in Memphis. And we were there. Then we were there. Coach Ali basically said, only person that I have to worry about in the middle of a game is whom? Ryan Boatwright. Because he will not so much space out, but zone out and not and, and lose sight. While he's out on the floor of the overall, of, of the overall pitch, yeah. and Monday night that happened. Thankfully, they have a senior point guard, Shabazz Muhammad Napier. 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 I, I don't know, but in the process, he corrected him, woke him back up by pushing him, by pushing him. Yeah, it was crazy. And I mean, literally. And if noticed, you lifted his feet. Yeah, I was like, wow, I that almost, almost and, fell down. And, yeah, and in the awesome. process, you if you were really paying attention, you noticed Coach didn't phase him that one bit. He was like. And there's credit to Boatwright for not reacting in such a way go. that he didn't understand right. what, what was going, was on. going on. Right. A lot of credit to him. And in the process. It wasn't until the next time, uh, next media timeout, that he actually sat and watched for about two or three minutes, and then boom, back out on the floor, and he never missed a beat the rest of the way. I also think it gives you a lot of credit to how much talent those freshmen have to put that run together, but it also gives you an understanding the difference between the regular season grind and the tournament. Right. Both teams' cases in terms of getting through the grind of a tournament, what it has to do, and the importance of having that experience. I'm not even going to go with the senior leadership. In this case, right. it was that. I'm talking about more in the fact of having experience of the grind and how to get yourself through tough situations. Kentucky gets a lot, in my opinion, deserves a lot of credit oh, yeah. for what they were able to do with the grind through those other teams. But at some point, when you match a team that has that same attitude but is able to have the experience to go with it, nine times out of ten, I would suggest, uh, it becomes very difficult. But I think it really gives a lot of credit in terms of what, going back historically, what Michigan and this Kentucky Five were able to do in terms of going on such unprecedented runs in the tournament. Living up to big games after big games, some of the teams they defeated. Right. Uh, but when you look at that, and the credit also goes a great deal, uh, and I don't want to let this go unsaid is what Ali did. And I thought what was interesting, what I picked up in terms of a lot of fodder and talk, 
was the respect for what he did was probably actually had more admiration by the professional players that played at right. the NBA level. That's what I noticed and also. commentaries of really giving the credit of what he did and understanding how much he learned about the game, which brings me up to another point that I had a huge dialogue, and I would have to say in this case, it's probably actually a debate, and I tend to like to get into these because I like to go into dialogue, which means we're basically having a conversation, but this would end up going to a debate because I was just upset with the individual that was trying to bring me. I don't understand this thought process that suggests that that a student, and I refuse to use the word now, student athlete, I'm glad I caught myself, that a student that happens to be playing a sporting event, in this case we're talking about basketball, is supposed to get better in college at his craft than at the professional level. I don't. That makes no sense to me. And I had to tell a professor right here on campus, if you had a chance to learn your trade under the best mathematician declared by the world, and he says out of high school, I see something about the way you saw that math problem problem and the way that you think through processes. I want you to come under my wing. I'm going to pay you handsomely to do this. And then when you're finished, you can go in the world and apply your trade in terms of a mathematician on your own. What person in their rightful mind would do that? If Microsoft came to you at a high school. I was going to go there. I like the way that you're able to break down these apps or design this thing. I'm going to pay you a large sum of money because I think you can do this at a level with a way that we hone you at a professional site to do that. It would be ridiculous for you to ask somebody not to do that. Those are very few people that have that talent level to do that. Most of us, and I'm unfortunately one of them that is not in that category, had to go the college route in terms of honing my skills over a period of time to be to the point where I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But to suggest that everybody has to do that is ridiculous. And so I'm tired of the individuals out here to try to use that as an excuse to allow other folks to be enriched financially off the back of these individuals and to suggest that they're getting a free education is a lie in itself because they sign to trade what they're able to do in terms of their skill sets with the opportunity to go to class and then Fortunately for them, a lot of times they don't even get to go into the degree they are. Some of them are not ready, but still not that place because you displaced them and put them in a position where they're at a disadvantage. And the degrees that we measured afterwards suggested not an earning degree. So stop telling that lie as well. And let me. And finally, the point I will do as I close out, as I'm on this probably tirade that people fine. don't want to hear, but I need to make this point is. Also, you have the fact that you have all these individuals that are getting rich off of this, and you have, which is sick to my stomach, that you're taking advantage of these young people with the excuse that you're doing something for them, and you're not. Stop telling that lie, and stand up like men, or women in some cases, and speak the truth, just because you're greedy, and you want a system to allow you to benefit, and you don't want to destroy it. Stop telling that lie. Lastly. For all these fans, or so-called fans, and obviously I say that loosely because we know it's fanatics, but just because you want to spoil your own self and you're greedy from the standpoint that you want to be able to cheer something, is wrong too. 
And so you need to take a step back. And for all those that believe in what's right, you need to stand for it all the time or stop being self-righteous. Thank you very much, Doc. And well, forget all that. Who are you, folks? How can folks get in touch with you? How can folks email you and say, I disagree, or I agree, or whatever? Yes, you can email me directly at kcaville at thd-agency.com. I'd actually like to hear your opinion if you think you can put something on the table. Uh, that in this case, if we're going to do it as a debate and change my mind, I'd rather have a dialogue and you really put some substance to it. I'd rather hear that. Uh, you can, again, email me at kcaville, that's K-C-A-V-I-L at T-H-E-Agency.com. You can listen to me right here on podcasts. Uh, I can also be found on different radio uh, sound bites when I do commentary and have dialogue on such issues throughout the week right there at KCUA 1230 with Ralph Cooper's 5 to 7. I also do In the Zone on Saturday, uh, Fox Sports Baton Rouge Network, and I'm up in Richmond as well on Saturdays. Those programs are at 1030 and 1130 respectively. You can get all this information if you follow me on the social media platform at Dr. Kenyatta Caville, Dr. K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And one of the biggest things I do is HBCU sports. And I'm not saying that this decision will have a lot of benefit to HBCU, but I'm of the person that believes just because it doesn't benefit who I would like it to benefit doesn't mean that I do things that I don't think are right. So this is the time of the year that I usually start to look at what we call the business of sports, uh, science of business management. This makes dollars and cents. So if you want to hear more commentary and things of this nature, where we really dig into the business side of sports and trying to understand why things are the way they are, why I believe things may be different, or why people make the decisions they make, this is an opportunity to listen to that. During the regular part of the season, during football and basketball, again, I'll give the HBCU top 10 polls. And if you want to find the final poll, you can go to thrr.com for men's and women's mid-major and major divisions. Again, that's the Houston Round Ball Review, uh, the final poll rankings for HBCU mid-major and major men's and women's was released last weekend. So please check it out for those that may have not seen it yet and find out who were the final top 10 ranked team and the number one team for men's and women's mid-major and majors, HBCU. Top 10 teams of the year for the 2013-2014. And with that, I'll let y'all have it. And my final, first, I'm acknowledging Houston College Baseball here in town. All four teams won yesterday. I don't know when was the last time that happened, but it did. HBU, Rice, U of H, and Texas Southern. They had a good day yesterday. Pitching must be really getting great here in the Houston area for all those teams and all the, to win. But I am the Fifth Ward Wildcat. You can reach me at Blogger, The College Sports Report, uh, on Twitter, AKSVDCSRBlogspot.com. And also, uh, I am on Facebook. And you can reach me at uh, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr. 1. And on Twitter, at AKSV DCSR. It's been a good week. Watch some good basketball this weekend. 
a surprise. KG and I were gracious were have were gracious enough to be blessed and get a chance to go to a media day. He went to both. I went to one. But at the end of the day, the act is no longer the act. It is it, the American. It is the American Athletic Conference. That's a basketball. No. They are the American Athletic Conference. Let it roll. I'm going to let it roll like that. Only because... I made the statement because you all know I have referred to it as referred to it early on as the act until they showed me otherwise. Well, they showed me otherwise this week, this past weekend. Three teams, a national champion, and as the, the uh, report came from uh, Chuck Sullivan, the uh, co- uh, sister, uh, associate commissioner in athletics, men's championships. We will start the year in the media. We will recognize the American Athletic Conference as continuing to be the men's and women's Division I National Championship champions in basketball. I am out. Thank you, sir. And real quick, I want to make a comment about the hypocrisy of the NBA and how they are complaining about the one-and-done system because Young men are are not coming to. They're, they're getting young men and not, not physically prepared, mentally prepared, what have you. Yet, if a player stays in college three or four years, those same scouts, the same NBA, will critique those players and say, "Well, he should have come out earlier." So he stayed in college too long. Why did he stay in college too long? So he, a player can't have it both ways. So he either he's he coming out. He came out early because he's not prepared physically, not prepared mentally. But if he stays and graduates and plays all four years, well, there's something wrong with something his game. Wrong with it. You can't have it both ways. You can't be. You can't be both. And the only one I give a modicum of agreement with in terms of what he said on the platform, and we don't always agree with his thoughts, but he speaks his mind. There's Mark Cuban. He said the best there. He said the truth. DV. And that's because they need a minor league system. He knows they need to develop. They just need to decide they're going to financially sure. put the money in it. They don't want to do it. So exactly. shut up. Thank you. I am KG, Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review website, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, as well as T-H-E-H-R-R.com on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review, on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review, Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review, at a solid time in Nashville. Had a mind-blowing experience at the Tennessee State Museum at the Slave and Slaveholder exhibit where I saw a possible relative in the exhibit, which uh, got me to really inspire me to look into my history and and see where I come from. So I'm going to really, that was the highlight of my trip right there. But the three of us are already making plans for 2015 in Tampa for the Women's Final Four. Yes, we are doing that already. Um, Tara Doc on this trip. And I'm ready to go. So we're gonna have a good time there. We're gonna really set Tampa on fire. They really don't know what they're getting into right there. But looking forward to uh, <laughs> whatever U of H makes a hire on the women's basketball coaching side. Hopefully, I'll be at the press conference and get a chance to meet the new coach and interview the people making the decisions. And one final thing yes, for sir. you signing up as you're doing, it would be remiss if, as the HBCU 
proponent on here if I didn't talk about the fact that it's going to be interesting to see what is all this chatter with Mike Davis, whether he's the one that's supposed to be going to Jacksonville or not. If, if that rumor stuff is really true, did he put that out there to get a raise, or was he out there and decided to turn down? You're talking about basically tripling your salary. If that's the case, I don't see it being something he's going to turn down. But if that is that really the case? Now there's the rumor of a second candidate that's hot on the trail. So what is really going on? So that's probably the hottest thing that we're talking about, HBC land. Sure, definitely. Outside of uh, Texas Southern baseball team and the softball team playing really well. TSU baseball, softball playing well. You rate baseball and softball playing well. You rate right, baseball seven. ranked seven in the country. They're doing well. They're doing great. Uh, I'm afraid to go see them play at home because they've won so many times at home. I don't want to jinx them. So, uh, hey, they're going to host the Super Regional. So, yeah, I'm looking forward yeah, to that. I'm, I'm serious. They're going to host the Super I, Regional. I, 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 you know, I, I know about, about what's going yeah. on now. If they can find a way to stay in the top eight, they definitely. They're going to host the Super Regional. So, uh, they should be playing Louisville Coach. soon enough. Uh, the, that's this weekend. That's here then. So they, yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. in the homestand. So, yeah, got to check that out. And to all the U rates alums, U rates alums, get out and support the Cougars. So, definitely do that. Um, definitely go do that. See you Friday, I may Doc. even spend some money to go see my Cougars play baseball. See you Friday, um, Doc. So we've got to do that. Support the Cougars in baseball. Support the Cougars in athletics. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Uh, we appreciate your insight. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate your support. We're going to uh, probably, once we get into a routine and things, I mean, heck, spring football is, has already taken place all over the country. So right. we may talk about that as well. NBA playoffs are right around the corner. Haven't forgot about the Rockets. Uh, they are awesome firepower. They're 145 point destruction of the Lakers. They dropped 145 on the Lakers, but they gave up 130. But still, hey. uh, they can, they can, they can score points, but health is going to be a key, be a key. If Patrick Beverly is not 100% for the playoffs, they're not going to go, go very far in the playoffs with Jeremy Lynn running the show because you can't defend everybody like that. Dwight Howard's health is still kind of iffy. So we'll see how all that goes. But playoffs, NBA playoffs are right around the corner. Once again, kudos to UConn men and women. For the second time in NCAA history, a school won both championships in the same year. First time was done by UConn 10 years ago, 2004. So they're the only school to do it. They've done it twice. And they are members of the American. So, the Mecca of basketball. So they are the, the American, American Athletic Thank you very com- much. Uh, Conference. And the Houston Cougars are part of the same conference as the defending national champs. How about that? So the bar has been raised on the men's side. The bar is raised on the women's side. And we'll see who the Cougars hire as the next head coach for women's basketball. Thank you, as always. I'm going to wrap it up as I do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. <laughs>